0: Good morning. It is Monday, January 7th, 2019. We made it. Oh my god, I hope you all had a happy new year. Um, it was an interesting new year, but not the most interesting one I had. Um, first, I uh, started off at the elbow room. Uh, in on Valencia Street, which is now closed, and then uh, I met Arena there, and then we went over to the other elbow room, elbow room East, for to dance to like the Soul Party, the Soul Night thing. Now, now Soul Party Party has officially ended, um, so this was kind of a a last not really a last hurrah, but it was, it was, um, the music there was provided by the soul party DJs. Um, I don't enjoy being in Oakland. I prefer to be in San Francisco at all times. Um, but I powered through it and I did have a good time. It was great to catch up with arena. Um, I hadn't, we hadn't hung out in a few weeks actually. Um, so it was great. Um, there were some goobers in the East Bay surprise surprise Um, one of note I was I had this shirt that was kind of styled to be like off the shoulder uh, both shoulders and I had some I was wearing some heavy chains over it and um, I was kind of like adjusting the shirt on my shoulders And I caught this little goober just staring at me as I was adjusting my shoulder. And he had this lascivious smirk on his face. And I was like, this is not for you, honey. No, 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 no. Um, But he thought it was. Um, He was, it's always the same type of guy, you know, like with like a buzz cut and like neck tattoos. And glasses, kind of, kind of posh clothes. They always think that I w- that I will dig them, and um, they think that I'm a sure thing. But it never works out. I never like them. And yeah, he was trying to dance with us. Um, I roundly ignored him. Um, and yeah, he was a goober, and I couldn't wait to get away from him. The party shut down around, I guess around twelve forty, twelve forty-two, and then we went next door to Nation's Burger, and I ordered a burger, a, a cheeseburger, and I'm glad I did, um, because I was probably on my way to being hungover the next day, so I'm glad I did that. Then on New Year's Day, I made some gyoza dumplings at Ann's house, um, and I had those later in the week. They're really good. Very fresh very gingery and it was was pork ginger napa cabbage and uh, scallions it was super good Um, then on the night of new year's day uh, there was like a friends and family party at the elbow room and it was a sentimental night for some Uh, there were some tears shed none of my own of course i did enjoy going to the elbow room but I didn't feel personally like that enough emotion to cry about it. Um, but others did. I had, I think a total of just two Manhattans. So it wasn't, wasn't a major night for me. Um, but it was great to see all the faces and the people in the community and everyone looked so beautiful. I mean, they really do. I mean, there are some, there are some beautiful people in the city. And uh, you know there was a feeling of warmth in the air, and also, uh, primarily though, for me, sadness. Because guess what? They're gonna build another bar where the Elbow Room was. They kicked out. What happened is they were going to do a uh, condo development right on Valencia Street, across from the Cap, the Cop Shop. So, um, but development. Uh, for condos has somewhat waned over the past year and uh, in the interim the landlords have decided not to go forward with that so what they did was they sold the building and then some people who own a bar called I think Playland they bought the building and they're going to have a bar there so that doesn't really make me cry, it just makes me mad Um, it's it's an exercise in pointlessness and that has been seen and and done many times before don't even get me started on a uh, it's I, I've seen it happen with a vintage shop that I worked at for a long time they got kicked out and then lo and behold another vintage shop moved in there um there's so that that was just silly um even though they they said oh you can you can come back we want you back but then it was too late and um that vintage shop had upgraded to a better space by then. So yeah, that happens a lot in San Francisco. It's, you know, the real estate shuffle. Um, in other news, there is a law Victoria bakery opening in, in the place of my old corner store at 24th and cap. Um, it had been vacant for a few months, maybe three or four months, um, there were There were many shootings there um, The violence there had escalated. I think that it, they were just basically selling drugs of some sort and running numbers out of there I mean you couldn't buy a pa- you couldn't buy one roll of toilet paper in there they started, they started not stocking the ice cream, which is one of the reasons I stopped going because that was inconvenient to me. Um, (laughs) I want ice cream and toilet paper and a few other things, fizzy water. They didn't sell my fizzy water there anymore. Um, their wine selection was, that was just a joke. Um, and then yeah, one guy got shot about five years ago and they, the business changed hands. But I think kept it in the family. And then there were more shootings. And more riffraff. Just congregating outside there on that corner. Um, So I think they got kicked out. Because it was just just too gnarly. And too shady. And really they weren't really doing any actual business there anymore. Um, Also grocery outlet opened. And so while they don't have my fizzy water. At least they can get some toilet paper. You know what I mean? Um... But I am glad to know that it's not turning into an artisanal steam factory and it is going to be a legit business that already exists in the mission. Now, I don't know if they're closing down the other location of La Victoria, um, which is a further down 24th Street, but um, what I do know is it will be right near me. Um, Here's what I have to say about the pastries at La Victoria. They've improved. They've improved. Um... They have tweaked the pastries, and and they're nice. Um, As far as their coffee is concerned, best just take it home and reheat it. Every time I've had a cup of coffee there, it has been coldish. They add steamed milk to it, but it still just makes it, it's just not hot enough, guys. So I'm hoping that when they move location, um, they have somebody there who really Wants to keep the coffee warm. That would be great for everybody in the neighborhood. Um, on Saturday night, I went to Kirstie's party. Uh, she had her twenty-ninth birthday party at her house. She has a really elegant and a beautiful home, right on Treat Street. And um, there, it was a small dinner party. the The spread was very well appointed. Um, I had a curry, garbanzo and kale soup, which was delightful. It was very filling. So, um, I wasn't able to gorge myself on everything there, but they had a, a nice selection of cheeses and fruits. They also had borscht, um, which I did not partake of. They had uh, chocolate covered sliced fruits. I had a chocolate covered blood orange that was off the chain. Um, I had two pomegranate, gin, martini, cosmopolitan things that were mixed by the host, Her, Kirsty herself, the birthday girl, she was wearing a beautiful kind of maraschino, cherry, burgundy colored velvet dress with these velvet puff sleeves that has all this draping and it just accented her figure beautifully, and it matched the cocktails too, and it matched the borscht, so you can get a, a good co- uh, picture of the color. Um, she and her friend had written a uh, vampire-themed murder mystery dinner theater piece where it was interactive, and, and the guests, um, we all had a, a part in the script, I had to leave the party at 9 so I only got halfway through the script. Fortunately, my part hadn't come up yet. Um I basically play, play a dowager vampiress go figure. <laughs> um but it it was delightful. If you've ever done one of those, it's so fun. Um So, moving forward, um this week has been very hairy for me. I had several, I had three photo shoots and a lot of crafting. I was working on a sweater, now a jacket and still my snake necklaces. So I didn't get into as much research as I would hoped on Abe Roof and Jean Schmitz. Um, I did still conduct the research but now it's at a complex part in the case where they're being tried. And, um, there's a lot to sort through and remember. Um, I will say this though, Abe Roof did not give a flying because he basically was in cahoots with everybody there. And so he made them squirm just with a look of his face um, when they tried to testify against him or bring evidence against him. So um, that will be discussed next week in further detail. I just want to make sure that um, when I bring forth this history that it is um, that it's well, you know, well organized. I will say this though: I was distracted by some beautiful music that that lulled me to sleep in that last hour that I could have used for research last night before bed and it was Chopin uh, Nocturne 9 number one it was beautiful I listened to it several times and then I just fell asleep to the rest of the Nocturnes I didn't I didn't listen to my hypnosis video as I normally do but it was so so beautiful oh my god if you ever get a chance check out the Nocturnes. They are very, they're complex, but there's a modernity to them that is just, I think, ahead of its time. Um, it doesn't make me think of the Victorian era. It makes me think of, for some reason, it makes me think of a Frank Lloyd Wright house when I listen to Chopin. Um, it's also kind of, I don't know, the music's kind of, kind of sensuous in a way. Um, I listened the nocturnes were all played by Arthur Rubinstein and uh I looked up a picture of him and he looks a lot like Frederick Chopin I I wonder if um he was a reincarnation of Chopin so I've presented a little bit of uh a little bit of info about the two men uh, for your enjoyment so Frederick Chopin was born March 1st of 1810 and he he died the, on the October 17th of 1849. He was born in Warsaw, Poland. So he was born right before the War of 1812. He was, a, he was half Polish and half French. And then, so he was kind of born in a time of turmoil. And um, in, when he was, about 20 he moved to paris right just a month before another war a big uprising in 1830 in poland um he was known as a child prodigy he could he um wrote most of his early pieces um by the time he was 20 so he had a lot of music to travel with um he was kind of he wasn't i wouldn't say the most prodigious perform uh, prodigious um maybe a prodigious is not the word prolific writer but he would he would write in bursts so he composed a lot in a short time um but he settled in paris and he only performed in concert 30 times which was rare for for musicians back then people musicians toured a lot more than they than they ever did because music was not readily heard by the masses so he only took a show on the road 30 times because he preferred a quiet setting for his music he preferred a small intimate gathering he was kind of the darling of the intellectual set so he would perform in the salons of of high society intellectuals one of them was a woman named Jane Sterling, a British woman, and she supported him. She was, I don't think that their relationship was ever realized romantically, but uh, she was in essence a sugar mama of, of sorts. Um, in the meantime, he, at one of the salons, he saw a very... Strange woman of the time, Amantine Dupin, also known as George Sand or George Sand, as I've heard some people say, or George Sand it's sand um but anyway, semantics aside um he thought that she was ugly at first uh, she was about she was a little thing, she was about four four ten, and she smoked a big cigar um and he found her to be kind of ungainly and boorish, um, kind of troll-like. And and you know what? That's kind of funny about, about George Sun because uh, I've heard and read different opinions on her. Some people said that she was so beautiful and that she had the most gorgeous hair and beautiful eyes and was just enchanting. And other people just said that she was downright ugly, just flat-out ugly, Looked like a little troll. Um, I feel that there was probably something in her personality where she could turn it on and turn it off. Um, she was most likely very, very well of her, of her um, sexuality and of her seductive charms, and uh, wherein she was able to transgress her traditional feminine role. And I feel that that confused and outraged people. Um, I personally, I I think she's okay looking, which is right in between beautiful and ugly. She looked okay. She was fine. Um, But they, they had a very passionate relationship. They, they went to Majorca together and, uh, that did a number on, on Chopin, uh, he had a horrible time there to say the least, it was an unsuccessful trip but he wrote some of his most beautiful music there, he was inspired by the vicissitudes he experienced in Majorca on this ill-fated trip and I think I think George or Antonine Almantine, excuse me, just kind of drew, they kind of drove each other nuts she really knew how to pull his strings and push his buttons in more ways than one um He died at a very young age. He died at 39 of pericarditis aggravated by tuberculosis. Now pericarditis is when, I believe when you have the fluid or a um, inflammation or an infection of the tissue, the protective tissue surrounding your heart. I guess you have like a membranous tissue around your heart. Um, It's later speculated that he might have had um, cystic fibrosis as well. Enter Arthur Rubinstein. He was born in 1887 on January 28th in Poland. And he also was a child prodigy. He was a child prodigy uh, from the time he was two. He had perfect pitch. Um, They started him out on the violin. He didn't like the violin. Um, he was drawn to the piano. By the time he was 10, he moved to Berlin. He was moved there um, to study under Karl Heinrich Barth, who was a student of Franz Liszt. Liszt was one of Chopin's contemporaries and, and a champion of Chopin's work. Um, he so he studied under someone who was, who was a, a contemporary of of uh, Chopin. Um, he specialized in Chopin's and in, in interpreting Chopin's work. Um, that was what he was known for. He he embodied the music of it. He understood it. Um, he didn't try to to press it up. He didn't make it sappy. Um, with Chopin, it's all. I mean, I guess with all music, but with Chopin. Because of the relative um, sparseness I think of the notes, even though there's lots of bursts bursts of of you know complexity um, there's a lot of subtleties in the time signature you can't play it like regular classical compositions it's required that you that that you kind of have a sense of detachment about it and present it without your own emotion in the music this the music is the emotion if you you know degrade it with with a with a sappy languorous you know way it's going to come off very maudlin um and he he was a master of that he mastered it um he he hung out with uh People like Charlie Chaplin and and Pablo Picasso. He was fluent in eight languages. He had a and that was he had a, a photographic memory, um, so he was able to just whip things out, and he had a, a simultaneous memory too. He could have a whole symphony running through his head as he was thinking about something else. So he, he had a, he had a powerful mind. Um, he was asked what his, who his favorite composer was though. And he said Brahms, he prefers Brahms, which fair enough, you know, Chopin's work, that's his work. That's his, uh, that's his bread and butter. Okay. Um, and I think that makes me think that maybe there was a reincarnation, um, Happening because if if you were truly perhaps the reincarnation of of Chopin, you wouldn't say that Chopin was your favorite because that's like saying that you are your favorite, um, and that that might you know make him seem arrogant. Um, he married when he was 45 in 1932. He married Nela Mlinarska. She was a Polish ballerina. She was about 20 years younger than him. And he, Rubenstein was kind of a heartbreaker. That was his, his other hobby was women. Um, he had fathered an illegitimate child. Well, all children are legitimate, excuse me. But at the time, that's what they called them. I just want to clarify that. All children are, are valuable and they're all legitimate. But that is what they called him because a child was born out of wedlock. Um... He he favored Italian princesses and countesses. He loved Italian women. Who can blame him? But he settled down with one from his own country. Now, this whole time, he cheated on on Nela. He and he was touring constantly. Um, he he was a concert pianist, so he he was different than Chopin in that aspect. Um. In, in, let's see, this was like in the 70s, in the mid-70s as I start, started to go, when he was 89, but he performed for eight decades, so he performed publicly from the time he was about 10 up until the very end of his 80s. When he was 90, he left Neela, his wife, to marry his manager, Annabelle Whitestone, Lady Weidenfeld Weidenfeld. And she was only 33 Um, and that's kind of interesting Uh, I don't know if they consummated the marriage I feel that it was if you just look at it on paper it's like oh wow he's really getting some but on the other hand I don't know he was 90 she was 33 Um, she managed many concert pianists and she was you know kind of like the known manager of of concert pianists so I think that it may have been a marriage of convenience still fascinating though I mean they probably maybe he wanted to um ensure some assets with her and you know who you know maybe they maybe they you know they slept together all the time maybe maybe it was hot between them I'm not too sure so there's that there's my speculations and ramblings um, but I'm fascinated and I love Chopin's music um, I don't really let myself listen to it too much because I think it takes me to another world that I don't really have time for all the time um, it's so contemplative and I, I just get lost in the way that it flows um, it's it's very beautiful and it's very moving and And I'm so glad that it was made. Um, So I am about to do some post office rigmarole. And I just got a message from somebody about tracking. Um, So I'm going to sort that out. Um, Then I'm going to prep for another shoot. Oh, and it's, you know, really rainy and gloomy out, but I love it. That's kind of my favorite weather. So I hope to take a really long walk. I I might uh, put on my, my rubber duck shoes and go to Bernal Hill and just watch the city if I have time. Anyway, we made it to another new year, and I hope that you guys have gotten off to a good start. Have a great day. Bye.